All right. Well, we're going to continue in a series that we've been in called Hit the Reset Button. And so I don't know if you've been here, but I'll catch you up to speed, I promise. This entire series is really coming out of this idea that sometimes what can happen in our lives is that we can be distracted by good things. Isn't that true? Like, I mean, they're good things. They're not bad things, but they can actually become distractions. And I want to read something to you out of the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 31 through 33. This is where Jesus and his disciples are interacting. Jesus is out doing what he's supposed to be doing, his mission. He's accomplishing his mission. The disciples are out looking for food because they need to eat. And then they come back and listen to kind of this interaction in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging, everybody say urging, urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Very practical. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about, which is typical Jesus. You know, he takes something in the temporal and the physical, and he takes it to a spiritual plane in order to teach some kind of spiritual insight. In verse 33, we see this. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? That seems like a logical question for his disciples to ask. How in the world did he get food? But see, they're missing the point, aren't they? They're missing the point. Jesus is talking about something completely different. And then if you follow that verse out and you go into it, Jesus starts to sermonize a little bit. He gives them a little mini sermon and tries to help them understand something very important. And it's simply this idea that Jesus has a mission to fulfill. And anything that gets in the way of that mission is suspect. Does that make sense? And the thing I want to say to our church today, and the thing I've been saying over and over again over the last few weeks, is this idea that there are a lot of good things that we do in life. Matter of fact, there are good Christian men and women that are pushing a certain agenda even in your life. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to eat food, right? God says we should eat. Matter of fact, he made the body to eat. So he's not against eating, praise God. But he's against getting off mission. And see, what happens sometimes is we allow good things to get in the way of the most important thing. And here, let me give it to you straight. As a church, this is what we believe. We believe, as our church, this is our mission and this is what we are all about. It is that we want to see people transformed by Jesus. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. We want to see people transformed by Jesus. We want them to know God. We want them to find freedom. We want them to discover their purpose and we want them to make a difference. It's that in a nutshell. And all I say at the end of that is repeat. You see, that's what we do. We repeat, and we keep doing that over and over and over again. And if you understand the flywheel, if you've ever read Good to Great by Jim Collins, if you understand this flywheel idea, what happens is if you keep turning the flywheel, eventually you get momentum. Eventually you actually get the momentum that you're looking for. And so, see, as a church, we want to make sure that we're doing exactly what God has told us to do. And so the last two weeks, I've really been talking about knowing God. And if you've missed that, you can go back and watch those uh, sermons online. You can get them on the app as well. But basically, those two sermons were about hitting the reset button in knowing God, particularly in two places. The first is the first know, that I would know Jesus, like as my personal Savior, that I have a relationship with him. And the Bible says that you become new. Does that make sense? You can become new because you have a relationship with Jesus. 
The second sermon that I preached was all about an ongoing new. In other words, there's the first new that you get by having a relationship with Jesus, but there's now an ongoing new that all of us are invited into because why? When you get saved, you don't look much like Jesus. (laughs) And so what happens is over time, God forms in us his character. He gives us power to overcome. And then all of a sudden, the things that, that, that God wants to see realized in our life actually start to happen. We don't have to wait till heaven to see God transform our lives. That's important. So if you missed anything about that, go ahead and go back and look at that. But today, we're going to jump into something that I think is so important for us to see. Matter of fact, it's probably one of the most important things to me as a pastor, and that is this idea of people finding freedom. You've heard me say this before, that most people, when they get saved or they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, they don't usually die afterwards. Now, there are some that do. So some people on their deathbed say yes to Jesus, and they go to be with the Lord. But most people don't. And so what that means is, if you're not dead, you're not done. So that means that God is still working in your life. God wants to continue working in your life. Not only does he want to give you the power to become what Jesus wants you to become, but in that process, he desires, listen to me, he desires for you to be free. Friends, that is so good because many of us, no, no, all of us have been in bondage in our lives. Some of us continue in a bondage right now. You are in a habit that you cannot break. You keep revisiting that hurt over and over and over and over again. You keep revisiting that habit over and over and over and over again. And maybe some of us today are just absolutely exhausted trying to figure it out. But here's the good news. Jesus has provided a way. Jesus has provided a way. See, y'all should, that should be a moment in the room where we have like at least a 30-second praise break. Come on. We should do that right there. See, Jesus has provided a way. That should encourage us to kind of shake it off a little bit. Whatever you brought here today, whatever you're struggling with today, God has brought freedom to your life. Here's the question. Do you want it? Do you want to reach for it? Do you want to grab for it? Because see, what happens a lot of times is that we want God to just simply change everything in our lives by osmosis or something. If we just sit there long enough, we'll absorb the glory of God and everything will be fine. The only instantaneous change that will come in your life is when Jesus Christ gives you his righteousness for salvation. That's it. But that's where it starts. That's where it starts. Because see, when you receive Christ's righteousness, you can start to do all the things that the Bible tells you you can do you can actually start to receive that in your life. And so just for a little while, I want to talk about finding freedom. Is that okay? And so we're going to do that. Let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It'll be on the screens. You can open your Bible or flip in your phone or whatever you got to do. Because see, when we know God, finding freedom is possible. When we know God, finding freedom is possible. Listen to this in Luke Chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus is speaking. Because he has anointed me to proclaim, say that with me, good news. Okay, it's good news. Is it bad news? 
No, it's good news. So if you've ever been to a church that you just felt like it was always bad news, you probably need to find a new church. Because, see, it's good news. And I know that sometimes some of us have gone in environments and churches where it's just always bad news. Yeah, there is some bad news, people. But it's all, all of it, all of it is under the umbrella of Christ's good news now. And so you have to remember that. So it's good news. That's, that's from the mouth of Jesus. So for anybody that wants to say it's different, you got to speak to him. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And it's not just economically poor. It's people who are poor in spirit. People who are poor in their minds. People who are poor in their bodies. Jesus comes in and speaks good news. He says, he has sent me, the Father has sent me to proclaim what? Freedom. Freedom for the prisoners, people who are in bondage, and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set the oppressed free. See it? Freedom. Free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Woo! Right? That deserves a good Ric Flair. In other words, what he's saying is Jesus is bringing transformation to the people. Jesus is not only bringing salvation, he's bringing transformation for anybody that's in bondage. And that includes physical bondage. That includes mental bondage. That includes a, a relational, emotional, spiritual. It's all of it. See, our God is not a compartmentalized God. He's interested in the whole woman and the whole man and being able to bring his spirit to bear in all areas of your life. And so if there's an area of your life that maybe you've got hidden, you know what I'm talking about. You got an area of your life that's kind of locked up that you don't want Jesus in. Well, guess which door he's going for? And it's not because he's mean. It's because he loves you. And he wants you to be what? Free. Free. Oh, come on. So good. Listen to this in Acts 10, 38. This is how it happens. You got to get this. 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now God, I think it's now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Did you see that? He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So what he's saying is not only is he here to proclaim it, but he's also here to come with the Holy Spirit and now power. And the coolest thing about when Jesus decided to go to the Father after the resurrection is that when he left, he said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you not only will have the person of the Holy Spirit as your best friend, but you also will have power now to overcome all of the things that hang you up and empower you for all the things you think you can't do. Oh, oh, man, that's a package deal. Come on. I mean, that is the best thing that's ever come to this world. Wrapped up right there. Freedom for all people. And you now have the spirit of God and the power to get it done. Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, that's what God wants for you. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if this is new stuff to you, but that's what God wants for you. God never wants to see his son or daughter in bondage. Ever. 
And then 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to what? Destroy the devil's work. And my friends, the devil has been busy and the devil continues to be busy. The devil is busy in Afghanistan right now, friends. And it is the responsibility of believers all over the world to say, not on my watch. Not on my watch. We are called to be a light in a very dark world. Yes? And so here's the question I have for you. Here's the question I have for myself every day of my life. Okay? This is a question that we should always be answering. And it's simply this. What do we need right now? What do we need freedom from right now? What do you need freedom from right now? What is it that's hanging you up? What is it that's holding you back? Is it some kind of relational thing that happened to you? Some kind of situation that happened? Is it, is it some kind of habit that you've taken on? Is it some kind of uh, uh, belief that you have about yourself? Is it something that someone did to you? I don't know. But what happens is that these things grab hold of us and, they, and the enemy wants nothing more than to put us in bondage to them. And I just want to say to you, if you're experiencing something that's been going on a really long time, first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry that you're going through that. But I do want you to hear me. I believe 100%. It may be the hardest journey that you'll ever be on, but I truly believe that God wants you free. I believe it. And there are people in this church that would love to help you on that journey, that will pray with you, walk with you, work with you, so that you might get free. Because that's the kind of place we want to be. And so we want to help people find freedom. I want you to find freedom as we go through this message as well. But here's the thing. What do we need freedom from? I mean, I've mentioned a few things, but the Bible describes it very clearly. It's this idea of strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. See, we have strongholds in our life. In other words, there are things that have happened, situations that have gone down that now form a stronghold that now the enemy uses against you. Now, here's the thing you got to see, and this is important. It's that voice, right? It's that voice when you start to do what God wants you to do that says, you're not worthy. Or, do you know what you used to do? Come on. Guys, when I stand on this stage, I don't hear those voices as much as I used to. But there was a time in my life I would walk up on these stages and I would hear the enemy say to me, do you, you have no business being on that stage. Do you know what you've done? And I don't know what your voice is. I don't know what that thing is that keeps coming around, that keeps trying to take up, uh, <laughs> keeps trying to, to live rent free in your house. God wants you free. And I tell you what, if he can get me free on some things, he can get you free on some things. And so that's what I want to see is that those strongholds would be broken off of your life. I want to share just a few thoughts with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Listen to these. Paul is writing these words, and they're so powerful. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So he's kind of making this comparison. And it's also important that you see he's using language of warfare. There's a reason for that. We are in a battle in the spiritual that we don't always see, but it's very, very real. Okay? Then he goes on and he says, The weapons 
we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons, just to clarify, they have divine power to demolish, what is it? Strongholds. These strongholds that happen in our lives as we walk through life, we demolish arguments and every pretension, and I, I want to define that word real quick because I know some of us think of this word differently, but in this context, pretension is a claim or an assertion. So in other words, that, that, that we're demolishing arguments and every pretension, claim or assertion that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. So there's something about the knowledge of God that is set in opposition to the things of this world. The thoughts, the ideas, the arguments, and the pretensions. Do you see the tension? And he goes on and he says, And we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what we say to every word, every idea... Every stronghold, every argument, every pretension is sit. Get it? Think of a dog. You're training a dog. Now, you reason with a dog. Oh, puppy, would you just sit for puppy, baby? Will you sit for me, please? That dog looks at you like, really? That's what we're doing? No, you say, sit, Ubu. That's his name. Ubu the dog. It's a pretty good name. Sit, Ubu. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Because you have taken that captive. See, see what I'm getting at? And you are making those thoughts, those ideas, those arguments, those pretensions, you are making those things obedient to the things of Jesus. Now, friends, that's a big deal because sometimes we go into a fight and we're like, you know, I just wish that God would or this. Oh, I hope this happens or, you know, it's kind of like this kind of passive way. Friends, you are in a war. And when you go to war with your thoughts, oh, come on. How many of you had thoughts today that tried to take you out? I have thoughts throughout a week. Come on, people. I have so many crazy thoughts in my head. But if I don't take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, sit, thought, sit, idea, I'm making you obedient to Christ. Oh, Jesus, help us. See what I'm getting at? And I know that this is kind of intense, but see, we've got to go to war. Who's going to war like this? We're going to war today. No. You're geared up. You're ready. You're, you're, if bullets are flying around your head, are you tuned in? Yeah. We're all tuned in at that point. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. That's what Paul is trying to get you to see. That this is not just some kind of walk through a happy field of food. That we are actually in a war. And the devil not only wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything around you, but he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything in you. And here's the amazing thing. Everything that we have in us, it can never be taken unless we give it away. Do you see what I'm getting at? 
That's important, guys. Because see what happens is this is what this is kind of a picture of what it looks like. Here, I'll just give you a few thoughts as you as we tease out this scripture. So this is what a picture of what it looks like for someone to be gripped by strongholds and not be free. See, a prisoner is locked by what? Deception. In this case, he's saying you're deceived. Like the things that you've agreed to. What he's saying is that your mind is now being deceived by things that God never intended for your life. That's a scary thought, isn't it? It always makes me think of the Matrix. I know that's an older movie now. Back in the old days, it was like a cool movie, but it's kind of an old movie. And they talked about taking the pill. You take this blue pill or the red pill. And if you took the pill, all of a sudden you'd be able to see the Matrix all around you. See, that's what's happening here. God's asking us to take the Jesus pill. And that Jesus pill is going to help you see all the things that are messed up. All the strongholds that you've bought into. See, we've been deceived by the things of this world. Some of us are chasing things of this world. Money, power, success, whatever it is. And we're chasing these things, hoping just maybe, just maybe that they're going to fulfill us, but they won't. See, living life by something that is not true is what it means to be imprisoned, to to have strongholds. You know what strongholds do? They steal our focus. You ever been obsessing about something? It's hard to focus when you're obsessing about something, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. Some of us are worse than others. But you get what I'm saying. As you start to obsess, and the next thing you know, the focus that you once had has been completely destroyed. Hmm. It causes us to feel, it causes us to feel controlled. See, that's what, that's what this stronghold does, is it controls us. And see, I want to ask you this question. Where in a life right now do you feel like you're being controlled? Where in an area of your life right now do you feel like you're being controlled? And if you're really honest, you'd have to admit that, yeah, that's really happening. And sometimes it goes from control to addiction, and that's when we feel out of control. You see what I'm getting at? See, see sometimes what happens is we're consumed by... All of our emotional energy is consumed by this stronghold. Have you, have you ever been obsessing or dealing with something that you literally felt exhausted emotionally afterwards? Like you just, I mean, you just feel depleted. Because emotional strain can be some of the worst strain. And that's what happens sometimes when these strongholds get a, get a hold of us. And, and, and it's the worst because it, it really forces us to waste time. Guys, and we don't have, we don't have time to waste and all those things that we've gone through. See, distract, it, it distracts us from our purpose. It distracts us from our purpose. Keeps us off point. I can't look at the thing I need to be looking at. I'm thinking about these strongholds. Uh, I go to, to, to worship the Lord, and there's this thing in the back of my mind going, oh, you know what you did last night. You know what you did last week. And it gets in the way of you experiencing God's purpose for your life and the power that he wants to bring you. And then finally, it robs us, guys, from abundant life. Do you know what Jesus promises all of his followers? Abundant life. In John 10, 10, he says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ comes to bring you abundant life, my friends. And if we're not experiencing abundant life in this life, then there's something going on. And if we don't investigate it, then we'll never fully experience it. In this life, friends, you don't have to hold on till the next life. God wants to bring those things to pass now. Jesus wants to do that for you. All right. You guys okay? All right. Let's spend a little time talking about how we overcome, and then I'll be done. 
In 2 Timothy 2, 26, we, we read this. They will come to their senses and escape from the traps of the devil who have taken them captive to do his will. Oh, friends, I want you to wake up today. In some area of your life, I want you to wake up. In some area of your life today, I want you to wake up from something that's been holding you back. That's what God wants for you, that you would come to your senses, right? That somebody's right now, like right now, in a loving way, I'm coming to you and saying, hey, wake up, right? Hey, wake up. You're here at church for a reason. Wake up, wake up, wake up, so that you can begin to fully experience what God is talking about right now. Oh, so let's talk about overcoming, amen? Let's talk about overcoming. In Luke 11, 22 through 21 through 22, I'm reading out of the message. I love the way that, that Eugene Peterson writes this, but listen, he says, when a strong man, armed to the teeth, stands guard in his front yard, right? You get the picture? Think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Standing in his yard, and he's armed to the teeth. His property is safe and sound, the Bible says. You gonna mess with him? I'm not. Even when he's like 90, I'm not messing with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm just not going to do it because he could crush me like a grape. But watch this. Jesus says, but what if a stronger man comes along? (laughs) Right? What if a stronger man comes along with superior weapons? Well, now it just got interesting, didn't it? So he's painting this picture of a strong man and a stronger man. Then he's beaten at his own game, force, might, strength. He's beaten at his own game. The arsenal that gave him such confidence is hauled off and his precious possessions are plundered. (laughs) You know what's going on there, right? Like Jesus is saying to all the people listening, he's like, I know you think that guy's strong. I know you think that thing you're dealing with is strong. I know you think the stronghold that's got a hold of you right now is strong. But let me tell you, friends, my name's Jesus and I'm stronger. My name's Jesus and I'm the son of God and I am a stronger man than the one that's standing right there in your yard. And when when Jesus grabs hold of your life, all of those things have to bow. Sit. Sit. In Jesus' name, I will not go back. I will not allow you to steal from me anymore. I finally stand up and say, Jesus is a stronger man. Jesus is a stronger man over anything that you're dealing with in this life. Jesus is a stronger man. And so to overcome, there's three things we need to do. Come on, three things. Number one, take back our thought life. You've got to begin to do battle in your thought life. The things you think about actually do affect you. There's a great book out there, if you've never read it, called Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. Oh, my goodness. I would say it's her best book. I would love for you to pick that up at some point. Battlefield of the Mind. It's such a great read. And even if you don't agree with everything Joyce does, that's fine. But that woman wrote a book that is, it, I'm telling you, it will help you. Because, see, that's what we do in our culture nowadays. You know what I mean? Like we take something someone did or this person did or that person said or 26,000 years ago, and now all of a sudden everything that they've done in their entire life is suspect. 
That's crazy, people. That's crazy. That's just an aside. That's just for fun. That was like a little cultural commentary just for you. But see, we've got to take back our thought life. I love the way that Romans 8, 5 through 6 says it. Listen to these. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature or their flesh think about sinful things, right? So if you're dominated in your mind or in your thoughts, then you will then think about these things. If you obsess about things like that, then you will think about those things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, do you see the contrast? He's saying, if you think about the things of the world or the things of the flesh, or if you think about the Holy Spirit, he goes on, he says, controlled by the Holy Spirit, Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Makes sense. It's, It's simple. If your flesh or sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. Do you see it? That's why we've got to take our thoughts back. Because what's happening is the enemy is getting in on our thoughts. And now this is what's so really scary, people, is how many things are we absorbing on a daily basis in our culture today? Like there used to be a time where we didn't have 24-hour news. There used to be a time where we didn't have 24-hour radio that came from the sky from a satellite. Right. There used to be a time in history when we weren't getting inundated with all these things. Here's the thing. We live in the information society. Right. That's the time in history that we live. That's a scary thought, isn't it? It has its benefits. But if I'm bombarded constantly with these thoughts over and over and over again, what happens? The Bible says that the sinful side of our lives, the sinful side of this world starts to infect my thinking. And guess what happens when your mind gets infected? Your actions now become infected too. Because one of the most powerful things that a human being has inside them is belief. Belief is something that causes people to fly airplanes into buildings. You understand? It's not motivated by money. Ideas are powerful. Belief is powerful. And so when we don't grab hold of our thoughts, these things lead us astray and they take us away from God's plan. You see, Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't copy them. Don't Xerox what everybody's saying. Don't Xerox just what you hear. Make sure that you line it up with God. It's so important. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God, what is the word? Transform. Ooh-wee. What's our mission? Transform. We want to see people transformed by Jesus. See, that's what, that's what Paul is talking about here, that God wants to transform you and me into a new person. There's the new. So when we know God, we will become new by changing what? By changing the way we think. So in other words, Jesus is on the inside of you. If you've said yes to Christ, his righteousness has now come into your life. And the Bible says so clearly, so clearly for all of us to see that the way that God transforms you and me into a new person is by changing the way you think. Do you understand how powerful thought is? How powerful the way you think about your day, the way you think about that other person, the way you think about this world, the way you think about that particular political party, the way you think about this, 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 and this. If all you're doing is getting it from the world, you will have the wrong thought. 
And when you have the wrong thought, you have the wrong action. Pastor, that seems like a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. And so we got to take our thought life back, number one. Number two, to overcome, is we got to identify the lie. We have to identify the lie. First, you got to wake up and take hold of whatever that thought is. But you have to figure out what's wrong with it. Please, people of God, use your brain. God has given you a brain. Come on, people. Yes? Don't get mad at me. I love you. I'm saying these things because I love you. Because, see, there is so much going on in our world. And sometimes what we do is we see it in a tweet. We see it on Facebook. We see it over here. We see it by some commentator. And the next thing you know, we're believing it. And, my friends, you could be deceived. And the only way we know the difference is that we have to, we have to go to the Word of God. We have to begin to look at those things and make sure we're filtering these ideas through what God actually says. And I would say to you, if you're not doing that, there's a good chance that you have bought into a lie. So we got to identify the lie. John 8, 44, I love this. He says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native tongue. Oh, wait, he speaks his native language or his mother tongue. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So if you're believing a lie, where did that lie come from? The liar. He wants nothing more than not only, not only to make sure your thought life is messed up. He wants to make sure that you believe every lie that he creates and concocts for you to grab hold of. But we know better, don't we? We know better. We came to church today. We know that we got to take that captive. We know we've got to see the lie. We know we got to say, sit, lie. Sit, argument, in light of what Jesus has said. So what we have to do, though, because if you don't, what will happen is you'll have a void. And this is really important. you got to hear me here. A lot of times what you do is you clean your house, but you never replace it with new furniture. Does that make sense? So you can go in and clean all the rooms in your house, but if you never replace that room... With new furniture, i.e. the word of God, the truth of God in that room. The Bible clearly says that not only have you done that work and that's not going to help you, but it's actually going to get worse. And why would it get worse? Because now you've made room in that room for more junk. Do you understand? That's why it's so important you fill that room that you're cleaning out right now with the Holy Spirit's help. You fill that room with with the Holy Spirit and his word. Because if you don't, you are inviting, my friends, a storm in your life. And he will take up residence in that area and he'll bring all of his friends. Does that make sense? That illustration? Because it's important you hear this. Okay. Listen to this in Ephesians 6, and we're almost done. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Oh, I love this. So, so, so you know Paul. You've heard of Paul, right? He's, he wrote half the New Testament. He's kind of a big deal. He's saying to all of you, listen, he's saying to you personally, okay? Each one of you, he's looking you in the eyes right now. And I love this part. He's looking at all of us, and he says, finally, now that I've talked about all these things, finally, be strong in the Lord. 
Not be strong in your own stuff or your own thoughts or your own ideas. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Not your power, his power. Oh, it's getting good. He says, put on the full armor of God. Give, in other words, put on everything that God has given you. When you go into battle, you better make sure that you are strapped so that you can do the things that God has called you to do. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take what? A stand. That I will stand. No. Sit. (laughs) That's all the commands you need to know today. No. Sit. Right? And then what you're doing is you're now taking the stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes on to say, with two punches, you're in a fight. Right? You got two punches. Right? You got the jab. That's not how I fight, guys. I know that some of you are making fun of me right there. I hit better than that. I promise. Come at me, bro. Just kidding. <laughs> Combination, right? You, you, get the, you get the jab, but you, you always want to have another one, right? You, so you, you go here, and then you go there. So it's a combination. Pow! Pow! Paul gives us the combination. He says two things at the end of this verse. The word of God is your sword. It is an offensive weapon. It is the only offensive weapon that's mentioned, except if you go a little bit further, I think it also includes prayer. In other words, your combination punch is the word of God and prayer. And friends, when you clean house or you let God clean that house, you better make sure you're putting some word of God and some prayer. Right? Word of God. And some prayer. You get me? Like I could, we could do a little uh, Tybo right now, probably. Word of God and prayer. Word of God and some prayer. Are you getting this? Word of God. And now, now look, you can do combinations all day, but at some point, you're going to have to throw the haymaker. Right? You have to throw the knockout punch. Right? There's this word of God, prayer. But then there's this one. Wow! And you clock them right in the side of the head and they fall over. Some of you are like, this is too brutal for you. I get it. I'm just, I'm giving you a metaphor that the Bible uses. So get mad at Paul, all right? So we're in a battle. Word of God, prayer. But here's the other thing as we kind of land. I said this earlier and I mean it 100%. Please make time in your schedule to come for the knockout punch on Wednesday night. Guys, we are going to be doing some business as a church around here. Because not only do I want to see people saved, I so want to see people get free. Because there's lots of people that are saved, but there's lots of people not free. Yes? And what happens when the people of God get saved, (laughs) but also get free? Now you become an example to everybody else that's in bondage. And you can help them. You don't judge them. You help them so that they can get free too. That's, see, that's the Father's heart for all of his kids. And my heart for you is that you'd get signed up for that and be a part of it. Because I truly believe, word of God, prayer, freedom is coming. So that you can truly experience what God has for you. And so here's, here's a thought. What is it right now? What good thing in your life right now has started to get in the way of you experiencing freedom on a daily basis? It's a good question. Let's pray.
God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for what it means for each one of us. Lord, each one of us in here in the room are kind of right now, we're absorbing information. We're absorbing all the thoughts that were shared, the Bible, uh, the enemies like speaking, saying he's a liar, he's not true. I mean, all these things are right right now. They're happening, they're happening, they're happening. And I just want to speak. Just If you're here and you want this, I, I'm going to speak right now. Every lie of the enemy has to sit down in your mind right now. I ask that every lie in this room would be placed under the authority of Jesus. Every lie would become obedient to Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, Lord of the universe. Father, I pray that that would be so. And as I say that, perhaps there's things in you right now that you're like, I've got to get this right. I've recognized that there's a problem. I even, matter of fact, at the first of the sermon, I heard it and I was like, oh, that's me. I don't know what it is for you today, but I don't want to leave you there and neither does God. God wants you free today. And so I want to, what I want to do is I want to pray for you specifically. And so if you're here today and you're like, I need that, I'm stuck, I've got some stuff in me, I've I've got a habit or something that keeps going round and round, and I just want to pray for you. So if you'd like that, just begin to pray with me. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that whatever is binding up your son or your daughter this morning would be broken off in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that it would come off right now. I pray that freedom would come into this person's life. The lie that is, is, has been keeping them back, Father, is being ripped off, ripped out, so that it can now be replaced with the word of God. You are no longer a child of the enemy. You are a child of God. And therefore, the Bible says you have an eternal inheritance inheritance that is coming to you right now. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive his power and know that he is working on your behalf. And all you need to say is in faith, I believe it. I receive it in Jesus name. Here's the, here's the truth. As we continue to pray. Some of us are trying to get free, but we don't know the one that can free us. And I just want to say to you, friends, that's not going to work. And that's why it's so important that you take a step of faith towards Jesus. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He beat death for you. He sent his Holy Spirit for you. And it's free to you. And all you have to do in faith is receive it. And so what I want to do for a moment is I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you know that that's your story, you've been trying to figure it out, you've been asking religion to help you, but you really would say that I don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to be able to pray for you today. And so if that's you, what I'm going to ask you to do, just as a statement of faith, I'm not going to have you come down front or point you out or anything. No one's even looking around in the room. But I just want you to take a step of faith. And the way I'd like for you to do this, if this is you, is on the count of three, I'd like for you to simply raise up your hand. Now, why is this important? 
Because I know this, if you can't raise your hand up here, you sure won't raise it up out there. And so I ask you just to take a very simple step of faith and then pray this prayer after me. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, invite you to to raise up your hand. And then I want to offer a prayer for you on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just raise it up. Just raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. If you're raising your hands up here in the room or if you're raising your hands up online, uh, I just want to say, well done. But let's, let's seal this deal. We've identified the problem. Now we've got to fill it. And we've got to fill it with the, the power of Jesus in your life. And so, church, let's all pray together. No one's praying alone in here. No one's praying alone. We're all going to pray together. And so would you repeat this prayer? Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Would you save me of my sins? I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I surrender to you. Be Lord and leader of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. Change the way I think, God. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Come on, let's celebrate the Lord today.